Hey, you. Yeah, you. I see you over there with your cute, cute ears listening to this podcast and shit, getting some love. Yeah, come a little closer. Listen in deep. This is Hobbs. <laughs> they know. And I'm Lindsay. <laughs> My pronouns are they or she. And this is Queer Retrograde. We are your co-hosts. <laughs> oh, all about love. Mm-hmm. Before we get into love, um, where are you at right now, Hobbs? Uh, you know, however you want to take it just like normal where am i at i am writing the current of the universe's language very hard right now like i was telling you before i woke up this morning and i saw 11 11 on the clock so i knew oh shit i gotta listen up real deep today and things have just been happening like it was a day where it felt slow but also fast in the sense of like just how i don't know it feels like the planet's moving so fast as it usually does, but today felt slow enough where I felt like I've got a lot of choices coming up that are really going to shape the next 365 days, which is all I can really afford to think about. And even then, that's kind of an overestimation. So I am trying to stay chill about <laughs> making choices, but I feel good. I feel good about trusting my intuition right now. So I feel and I am at a very good place right now. Oh, I love that for you. How about you? Where you um, I feel fairly similarly. Um, my roommate and I were doing tarot readings earlier and my reading was very much like, in the past, you did some really, really hard things. And now in the present, you're still kind of healing from those hard things and getting to a place where you can feel centered in terms of like emotion and spirituality and just focusing on my routines that I've created to get to that place. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like last weekend I went a little bit wild and like cleaned the whole house really intensely because it hadn't really been touched in February because we're all kind of like really depressed in February. And now that I did that, I was like, okay, I'm going to rest. So like I took a bath today, hung out in the kitchen, ate some food, you know, that sort of day. That's, oh yeah. I mean, cleaning is just, yeah, you're scrubbing your soul or you're scrubbing the floor, you know? Right. one in the same one in exactly. the same exactly um but yeah so this episode today is really just diving into ideas surrounding love and that's with the self with the community with you know all all the people all the things um what what do you really love right now Hobbs what's going on with you I'm really loving being home Mm. like it has been a pleasant surprise to be in this energy around my parents again where sure I'm still like the child but they're listening to me and like hearing me out and like the conversation is geared in a sense like of course it's what I know it's what I grew up with but it's just been fun being able to razz them sometimes and them razz me and just feel like there's no real pressure. I feel like I was really afraid to come back home because I was really afraid of the anxiety that would come with feeling like I'm here now and when am I leaving and is it ever going to be soon enough? 
before I leave again, not out of like anything outside of just my own self pressure of feeling like, oh, I'm failing versus how many conversations I've had about like, if this is, this is quote unquote as worse as it could get moving back to my parents. And it no longer feels like the worst it could get. It's just literally a pandemic has happened. <laughs> You're with your people and we're eating good. And like, I'm laughing every day and it's just, it's, that's really nice. And this fucking dog pepper is just the sunbeam that brings us all together. And it's just, it's, of course it's not perfect, but it's, it's good. Yes. I'm loving it. You are exactly where you need to be right now. Exactly. It's just, you know, every day I come up with some kind of get rich quick scheme, get rich quick scheme. And they're like, not that one. (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) but yeah no I'm digging the energy here I'm digging it and it's just great to be near Richmond and be near you oh my gosh I can't wait till we can play outside (sighs) what are you loving okay I'm loving remember like a few episodes ago I told you I was gonna start some seeds yes and they're popping up (laughs) and it's so good it's so exciting like every morning I like run downstairs and I like start my tea kettle and then I like turn on all the lights for all the seeds and I like look and I'm like oh my god it's a new one it's a new one it's a new one it's a new one because like I've worked on a farm for a bit for a little bit now but I'm not there all the time to like see every little change you know like I go weekly like a few times a week and I'm like oh wow look that's a big you know that one grew a lot or whatever but like getting to see the whole process it's so exciting oh I love that shit and then oh my gosh there's this person on TikTok that I found that I love so much okay their name is Charlie McKee and I just want to I just want to play this TikTok that they posted that keeps replaying in my head over and over and over again about love and it truly is, I feel like, so related to a lot of the things that we're, ta- we're talking about in this episode. Okay, so here we Fire go. it up. Yo, yo, you might be single, but you got lovers everywhere you look. Let me explain. The sun, the sun is kissing you on your pretty little face every day. It says, Mwah. good morning, bitch, you look good. And you know, sometimes the sun isn't out, but the wind, the wind is dancing with you. The wind is caressing you you know what sometimes the wind doesn't want to come out and party that's okay we got love there's an abundance of love anyway we got the rain who wants to shower us with love shower us with gratitude we got the stars who hold up a mirror to let us see the sparkle in our own eye reassuring us that we might be feeling a little bit off a little bit low but we are a-okay baby don't get me started about all the animals wandering on ground and in air protecting us watching us loving us yo we are one with nature we are all one we're all family baby oh my god there's so much love in this world so much there's so much beauty there's so much love (laughs) yo i I love it i love it i've literally just been replaying that i feel like and like i hear it in my head now like when the sun comes out i'm like oh oh there she is she's kissing me (laughs) Uh, it's just so good to have to like kind of reframe the scarcity mindset into mm-hmm. like there's so much abundance mm-hmm. and there's just uh, it just makes you feel so 
I, it just makes me feel so full. Yeah, I got chills listening to that. <laughs> it's just so good. Like, I feel like so many of those feelings, I feel like I always reserve them for vacation, but it can be every day. You walk outside, open your eyes, open your heart. Exactly. And that's what it's like. We really do have the power to create whatever kind of like life we want, like no matter what, because it's like about like the reframing a lot of times, you know, we are all magicians. We're all powerful. Look at those hands. You can do a lot more than text. Manifest all kinds of shit out here. Email. You a rock. Shut up. <laughs> God damn. All oh. right. So, <laughs> so we have such an exciting guest today. Um, Christine Catherine Wyatt is a dear friend of mine, has been for a bit, and we brought Christine on to chat about love. We're going to be making a lot of references to All About Love by Bell Hooks. Um, if you haven't read it, that's totally fine. We definitely outline what we're referencing, but I encourage people to read this book. I'm still making my way through it. Hobbs, I think you are as well. It's thick. And it's, it's really, really good shit. And Christine is just such a breath of light. Yeah. Ugh, this person <laughs> is just so like when we talk about abundance, I mean, that's what I feel whenever I talk to Christine every time I'm just like, the energy exchange is amazing. Like, it's just so good. Absolutely. I feel lighter. And I only just met this person today. Like when real recognize real, you know, the energy just pops off. It's a good time. So exactly. enjoy it, y'all. It's, it's, it's a ride. Yes. Let's dive on in. All right, everyone. Welcome to this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful interview that we are going to have with my dear, dear friend. I'm so happy. <laughs> oh my God. This is really exciting to me because I feel like Hobbs and Christine, y'all are like my, my go-tos in terms of like, when I need to talk about some real ass shit, I'm like, who am I about to call right now? <laughs> Always you two. So I'm so excited that you're here. Christine Wyatt is a amazing dancer, organizer, activist, all of the things um soon to be doula i'm so excited so death doula yes oh, Greek doula. that's fascinating mm -hmm. so oh, to start out uh could you introduce yourself name pronouns and where are you at right now metaphorically physically emotionally spiritually however you however you want to go with it name pronouns where are you at Okay, yeah, um, as Lynn said, I am Christine Catherine Wyatt, um, and I also go by Teen Teen, affectionately. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and we, us, our sometimes, you know, um, really thinking about the collective and also just like the multiplicities inside of my being um where am i mm. i'm 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm commonly okay. I don't even know how to say this. Yeah, no, I'm on Occupied Chicken Harmony Land, um, Henrico VA. Uh, I'm in my dining room. And yeah, I'm in an amazing space right now. It's so energizing to like, I mean, I told y'all before this, but like to be organizing and to be expressing. I love the marriage, <laughs> the doonch. The marriage of art, <laughs> my art making, my dancing, um, and the organizing, the cultural work that I've been doing. Um, it's so exhilarating and I don't want to live my life any other way. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I'm also I have to do this. I'm also very hydrated. I have orange water. Ooh. So good. My massage therapist told me that I should um, like take a bite of an orange before I drink water so that like the electrolytes will like do the things that they do and I'll actually hydrate. Uh, amazing human. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We love, we love water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a whole other podcast all about juice again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so today we are talking about love and self-love and the rituals that come with that and community love. And we are going to potentially be referencing All About Love by Bell Hooks. Um I first wanted Christine to come on the pod because on Valentine's Day, <laughs> um, you you and some pals did a reading of chapter eight of All About Love by Bell Hooks. And I personally know I really needed that. Um, and there are a lot of ideas that came up that were just super like just resonating a lot and I was like dang we gotta record this <laughs> um but before we get into that I know that you have and you've shared with me that you have a lot of like sort of rituals that you do for your own self-care or self-love and can you just talk a little bit about what that process looks like and what kind of maybe a little bit about like your routine and in, in terms of taking care of yourself because it's super beautiful and amazing oh my gosh Lynn I feel like yeah um I guess I should start at sort of like the origin story maybe and then go to the nitty-gritty um <clears throat> Basically, like, uh, oof. I feel like it all really started with this piece that I made called Tide. Um, and essentially, like, it was inspired by, like, Fannie Lou Hamer, um, organizer, activist, and civil rights movement, um, being... Uh, like her famous quote, like, I'm tired of being sick and tired. Like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, and 
just in general being super exhausted in 2016 by that person who isn't our president anymore. Um, and <laughs> I just really don't give his name energy. Um, but, you know, like being super exhausted by that and super exhausted by, you know, um, violence, from the police, all the things that we're exhausted about, the, the political climate of where we're at, you know, the continuation of all of these harmful ass legacies. Um, yeah, it sort of like started with that, to be honest. Um, my involvement politically and like socially um, in all of that really was taking a, a toll on my body um, and I was really noticing because I'm a dancer. And so, you know, a lot of anytime you experience like a trauma or, you know, um, a challenge <clears throat> that affects you emotionally and psychologically, like it manifests in the body somewhere. <laughs> and, you know, in our capitalist bullshit system, like we don't often feel it or realize it unless we're like taking the time to really check in um and so you know I had a daily practice of checking in every day so fast forward to the pandemic <laughs> you know I really you know my life slowed down tremendously and I was able to really reflect about like my mental health and my physical health and the needs of my actual body not the needs of like other people my job of <laughs> uh, the system that we're in you know I really got to reflect about the needs of my own body um and yeah it sort of has me where I am now where it's like there's a blend of play and care and you know constructive work um, or constructive like time it doesn't necessarily have to be like work like but just like constructive time where something constructive is happening <laughs> um but you know among my rituals are like at least like three baths a week <laughs> you know epsom salt baths um I'm, I'm a bit of a low-key herbal person, an herbalist person. Um, and so I make a lot of herbal baths. Uh, and then I have my like daily ritual that I usually take like an hour to two hours to do. It really, the whole thing takes two hours to be honest. But like the first thing I do is I drink water. And then, you know, I have an altar. So I like think about my ancestors. There's a series of like prayers that I do. Um, uh, yeah, my gratitude prayer is like super grounding. It's just where I express gratitude for like everything from like the smallest like micro thing in my life to like macro, like, you know. Um, what else? Yeah. And then I just like do a lot of journaling. Um, and I have a day where I like minimize electricity. Like I just like light candles and just like do my day in my house with like just candlelight. 
Mm-hmm. So those are kind of like the three things that really, um, yeah, those are like the three things that are paramount to my self-care routine um, that are just me alone. Mm-hmm. The rest of my self-care has to do with my community and like friends and stuff like that. But yeah. Mm. So good. How did you end up landing there? I feel like whenever self-care was initially brought up, at least I know for my own journey, like it was giving myself permission to binge watch things, <laughs> you know, or just to just do nothing in the sense of not actually doing nothing, but just avoiding the things that I felt like I should have been doing. Like, how did you end up to that? finalized process where it actually was self-care versus like what no it kind of masquerades as self-care <laughs> no facts um I mean honestly I think oh the big piece that I missed thank you for asking this question um you know for the piece that I made I had I did a ton of research around exhaustion and tiredness um and I actually came across everybody really everybody most people know about the NAP ministry now but when I had when I had came across her work, like nobody really knew anything about the NAP ministry. Um, I felt like a lot of my mentors knew about it, but now it feels like very commonplace. But like um, I'm pretty sure her name was Trisha. Or is it Tricia? I don't know. The NAP Bishop, the founder of the thing. Um, she was on an episode of a podcast, um, and it was called Resta's Reparations. and so when I added like this like race lens on top of the self-care shit I was like you know it's like my self-care my rest my the level of time that I take from myself like isn't just for me and I, I really internalized I just I didn't even analyze I totally absorbed everything she was saying which you know what she's her the main premise of the NAP ministry is that like the rest that black folks take, like we're resting like for our ancestors um, and they get to experience that rest like through us, you know, and she's like deeply, she's deeply steeped in the research of like what the conditions of like plantations were like. Mm. And so to really like know that history and, you know, make something or you know be in that generative space of like okay how do I you know it feels very like it's a blend of like commemorative justice and also and also and also I don't know what the other words are but also all those things oh (laughs) yeah um that's how I landed there because it is easy to just kind of like be superficial and be like oh yeah I'm gonna get my nails done and I'm gonna, you know, I mean, I do get a massage once a month. That's part of it too. But um, I don't know. It's like just recognizing that it's not just about me and my body. Like it's like there are other spiritual things. Mm-hmm. Other realms are affected by the choices I make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the net ministry slapped me awake. <laughs> I need to go back into taking naps not just because I think it was so easy to sleep during class <laughs> but now in regular life just that Instagram is fantastic oh, oh 
I feel like this relates to some of these ideas surrounding love in general. Um, and specifically like this idea of solitude and how it kind of sounds like, you know, some of these rituals that you have set up for yourself might be like, um, like a pathway to solitude in, in some way. Um, so just for reference in, in all about love, there's a, there's a little, there's a little part that says, uh, this is from chapter eight too, I think it says, instead of running away from our loneliness and trying to forget or deny it, we have to protect it and turn it, turn it into fruitful solitude. Loneliness is painful. Solitude is peaceful. Lonely makes us cling to others in desperation. Solitude allows us to respect others in their uniqueness and create community. So I, I've been thinking about this a lot for a lot of different reasons, but like, for me, it's like this idea of like, I, I have this deep fear of loneliness and I have this like hole inside of myself that I'm not filling. So I'm going to fill it with other people instead mm. of addressing it on my own so that I can show up for the other people that I care about in the best possible way. And so I guess I'm wondering if you have an idea of like, how do you feel like, you know, when you've hit that sort of like state of solitude, like, how do you know when you're, when you're there, you're like, wow, I made it like this is it yeah no I'm so happy you brought up this passage um <clears throat> because like it's just so fucking good <laughs> um a line that also is connected to that passage for me that I have underlined it's on page 140 um it says knowing how to be solitary is central to the art of loving mm -hmm. and so in my little marginal notes I have um, uh, yes, solitary as recalibration, solitary as peace. And so sometimes like, to answer your question, Lynn, like, how do I know that I'm there? Like, sometimes it's just like, ooh, this is weird. It's like the act of just like being in it. I don't even know how to like explain it, but it feels like riding a bike. Like when you don't know how to ride a bike, you know, you're not riding the bike. Mm. Once you are riding a bike, you're riding it. Like there's no like, yeah. Um, and I know for me growing up, like my, my way into riding the bike was always like a push my right foot, push my left foot, put the right foot on my pedal, push off on the left and go. Like that was like, and I feel like being in solitude is the same way. Like you have to know how you get into it. Mm -hmm. And like everybody has like a different kind of groove. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I think that um, it has to be ritual. Mm -hmm. It has to be, um, there has to be like a process. Cause it's not just something that you just like arrive in. Mm -hmm. People think that like, I mean, cause loneliness, like there's a super thin line between loneliness and solitude. The line is thin, <laughs> but I feel like for me, for me, 
it's like the intentionality I guess yeah yeah I mean Hobbs and I just talked on one of our last podcasts about all of these routines that we're creating for ourselves. <laughs> get closer to earth right yeah. right and I know for me having a movement background as well like getting connected to my body is like sort of the gate to open to be able to then like connect to myself on that like sort of deeper more spiritual level um and so I I hear what you're saying in terms of like everyone kind of gets to it at a different in a different way but you have to kind of figure out like what your gates are and how to open them or something no exactly because because like for some people they like to meditate you know they need to sit quietly um some people sing Mm -hmm. You know, some people do movement. Um, some people need to go for a walk, mm-hmm. like in nature, right? And so it's like, all of it is valid. Like, you just need to know which one works for you. Um, and I think part of the reason, <laughs> part of the reason why I have so many forms of self-care and, you know, versions of creating this solitude space for myself is because sometimes they all work and sometimes only some of them work (laughs) you know and it's like you know that you have to account for like who you are because I know for me as like an extroverted person apparently my personality type is ENFJ I love that. Wow, it's so great to meet you. Um, (laughs) Yeah, um, for me, like, I know that people energize me. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm the queen of, like, social gatherings. And, like, you know, I love caring for other people. And, like, I love to cook. And I love to do all these things um, with other people involved. But... I know that there's sometimes that like I can get really lost in that and I can get really lost like in other people's energy and I'm so in love with it that I'm so in love with those engagements that I won't even have an awareness of like how I'm doing like (laughs) yes Yes. I mean I feel like that's all of us I feel like yeah I think COVID was one of the like the only thing that I can really apply to like the whole BS statement of like COVID was kind of a blessing in disguise it's like no okay no but the permission to actually not just like investigate yourself but also being forced to of like being able to just step back and be able to make that statement of what you just said like how how much longer in life would it have been before you could have slowed down slow enough to even like acknowledge that in yourself I know I was on a track where it was just very, very like fast every day, different people. And like, that was, it became like, that's the skill. Like, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm honing, like I'm sharpening this knife versus like, why you need a knife out all the time? <laughs> like, damn, oh sit God. down. Oh my God. No, yes. No, yes. Hobbs, before I, before the pandemic, I was literally a traveling artist, like going from Richmond to Baltimore to New York to Philly like every week Mm -hmm. 
every week I was like sleeping on buses like you know and then I was also traveling like I was taking like planes to LA like it's just like I was all over the place and nobody could stop me and I was just like you know like you were saying and it was a skill and I was learning and it was great but also I needed to sit my ass down and (laughs) gotta sit gotta sit (laughs) yeah oh wow you said that and then on page 4141 it says learning how to sit in stillness and quietude can be the first step toward knowing comfort in aloneness yes and no one tells us this shit tells us this is the thing i'm a nanny okay and i think christine you're the one that said this to me maybe of like if that kid has thinks they have a monster under their bed then they ask their parent or you the nanny to come look under their bed for them they're not gonna fucking look under their bed they're gonna want you to do it and that's like that's why i've really shifted my mindset of like okay my job is not to like just get these kids whatever the fuck they ask me to get them or to do whatever they ask me to do my job is to teach them how to do it on their own (laughs) you know (laughs) and like of course there are some things that it's like that's you know whatever I need to do this for them or whatever but like in terms of like an ideology behind like my my role and I don't think a lot of parents think that way because a lot of people have kids because they want to feel needed Mm -hmm. I'm bored let's have two (laughs) like (laughs) so then if we're not if we're not like no one talks about this idea of like sitting sitting with yourself or like Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. being able to show up for yourself or take care of yourself in this way then like Mm -hmm. it's not I mean it's none of our faults but it's it's a huge fucking issue I think (laughs) absolutely no yeah I was about to say that Hobbs like definitely absolutely Mm. you bringing that up lens actually reminds me where my sort of like ethos comes from about this it comes from my mom Mm -hmm. I just had like a flashback to like a conversation I had with someone years ago about like how they always get in arguments with their mom or something actually no that was part of the conversation, but we were talking about advice and I was saying how like, I hate unsolicited advice. And I was like, yeah, I was telling this person that I feel like I feel that way because my mom wasn't like that. Like my mom was a consultant to me. Like she would like ask me questions and she would like guide my thinking through certain shit. And of course there was stuff that she like taught me, you know, like she would like have very clear like oh no Christine like don't don't do xyz like that that's unsafe like that's not you know whatever it was whatever the case may be but like it was definitely her energy of like I'm just gonna be a consultant through this and it's like you're gonna have to navigate it yourself I feel like yeah yeah I have to attribute that those ideas to her I feel like because and that's why I feel like you're able to come at this at such a young age because a lot of people don't confront this shit until they're 
grown, have already been through the marriage, kids, da-di-da, their kids are off. They, they got divorced by this point, And now that's, that's when it happens. Oh. That's what, that's at least the pattern that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, no fit. And so, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for you. Um, I want to go back to this, this, um, section that you, you mentioned of, about knowing how to be so- solitary is central to the art of loving And when we can be alone, we can be with others without using them as a means of escape. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering about your ideas about this in terms of like authentic community love. It's like this question of like, is it possible for us to like love our community if we don't, if we don't like love ourselves first? I don't really know a less cheesy way of saying that. But that's, that's sort of my question for you is like, do you think, do you, do you think that, that we're able to actually love our community in a way that feels like authentic, um, without addressing these things inside of ourselves first? Okay. Okay, I (laughs) this is a tricky one Mm -hmm. for me because I again I'm gonna bring up the micro and the macro again. Like it's so fractal. Like shit on a big scale affects shit on a small scale. Mm -hmm. I recommend y'all read the emergent strategy, listeners, Mm -hmm. and anybody else who yeah. But essentially. My answer, Lens, is that like, if you don't have an awareness of the shit that's informing your unloving practice, or like, you don't have an awareness of what is encouraging your lack of self-care, essentially like the antonyms of things. So if you don't know what's informing your lack of self-care, your lack of self-love, like your unwillingness to like be vulnerable. Like if you don't analyze or have an awareness of that, there's no way that you can tackle the self part. Cause we don't live in a silo. And I think part of it is like, people say the phrase that, say the phrase or like ask the question that you asked Lens, and like, it's just like totally uncontextualized. And I just, I don't think that that's fair Mm -hmm. because it's like, there's a lot of shit that like informs us and that teaches us about love that we just have to interrogate, right? Mm-hmm. So that feels like step one for me. <laughs> Cause if like, if I'm not realizing the way that like patriarchy and all the isms and all of the shit is like fucking with my head, like, and you know, very deeply steeping, like, like very deeply steeped like in my perspective like if I don't analyze that and interrogate that there's no way that I can actually truly engage in Mm self-love I'm wondering like what those invitations like look like for people like if we could like compound all the data of like how somebody first like had that inkling of wow how do I like invite myself in to myself and whether or not you have the tools to really analyze patriarchy, capitalism, like all these things where like, we are very much so in a very like tight bubble 
of being able to have the verbiage and identify and like see how like it bleeds everything but I'm wondering like how in general like what I don't know maybe it's rhetorical at this point to think about it but what could possibly like rope somebody in initially versus because it's like I don't when you were describing your mom it's that's rare <laughs> that's so rare to have like a parent or someone in your life whether it's a mentor or like a peer who's able to kind of invite you to yourself like that so I wonder where I think and Lynn knows this about me I'm very much like if you look at a situation like on the values level hmm. Like, what are the values saying? And so for me, I feel like at the heart of interrogating all those things, like, it's just a truth seeking. Mm -hmm. It's just a, you know, it's like, and then that's a question in and of itself. It's like, what is truth? How do we know it's truth? And that shit makes me cry. (laughs) But it's like, you know, it's, it's as simple as that, right? It's like, racism no not even gonna do that i'm gonna just go straight into the vulnerability colorism says that i'm not pretty because my skin is is a certain hue but i know that that's not true me and a whole bunch of other people know that that's not true my experience says that that's not true like you know and so what do i do with that information like i internalize and accept that it's not true and then i make choices that are congruent with my new truth which is like you know it's and it depends on how it manifests in your life right it's like how does and then another interrogation like how do all of these things that tell you that you're not beautiful or lovable like manifest in your life you know like I got teased a lot growing up for having a hairy body (laughs) You know, I remember being like in elementary school and like little boys making fun of me. But at some point I was like, fuck that shit. Like, I don't need to shave every week to avoid being teased. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's stupid. Like, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's like, I had to accept that truth that what what was being imposed on me was wrong. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, and sometimes, uh, and always, it, there's an imposition that's wrong. And you just have to like, be like, that shit is wrong. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. It's like, see truth, speak truth, feel truth. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's, that's, that's a one, two, three step process for folks, you know? And it's an intuition thing too, mm-hmm. especially as you get into like the complexities of shit you know it just gets really it gets way more messy like once you get once you get like the surface level shit figured out it gets way more messy Mm -hmm. and then it's just like intuition after that it's like what is my gut saying stop it Mm -hmm. humans sorry (laughs) okay no but it's like what is my gut saying (laughs) yeah I mean there are so many I mean, we live in, we live in such a world too, where things get pared down so much, like on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. We, we see a little photo with a few words on it. And that's the idea, right? Uh, it's like, what? That, that's post it. that's the idea. Post it, no philosophy. And don't get me wrong. Like that's valuable on a lot of levels. But then I think at some point it's like, 
Well, that's actually flattening a lot, you know, and there's so much, like you said, just like nuance and complexity. And like, I think it ultimately comes down to capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And I talk about capacity so much. Listen, Um, understanding capacity and understanding your ability to function in any context that feels like my definition for capacity um it's like it's like the remedy to anti-capitalism I feel like mm-hmm. that's fair I'm, not, I'm gonna have to absorb that one no it's fine I'm just no, like the scene is there though it may it makes sense but yeah it's if you could yeah enter every situation knowing exactly what you're willing and capable of giving yeah you get to walk away unscathed mm-hmm. every time and set boundaries and be like i i'm not doing this mm-hmm. yeah and also and it also allows you hopefully to extend that sort of um generosity to others and like treat others as if they are like they're like knowing okay this isn't about me this is probably about their capacity or about it's like I was talking to my roommate about this about how like if a kid comes up to you and they're like I hate you you're like <laughs> okay I know you don't hate me like <laughs> yeah. adults we're just like damn you hate me <laughs> <laughs> so personal what why why aren't we being generous with each other in that way you know um yeah it goes back to that dichotomy I feel like it's a lot easier when you're taught on the binary in pretty much every facet of your life that every interaction will always lead back to this either that or this there is no gray area or at least it's not practiced enough oh yeah the binary that's a really good point Mm. I guess we didn't really um, talk about the definitions that Bell Hooks gives of love. So <laughs> I kind of want to do that for a minute. So there are sort of two at the beginning, I think. There's the one that um, says, you know, to truly love, we must learn to mix various ingredients, care, affection, recognition, respect, commitment, and trust, as well as honest and open communication. And then there's the other definition, which uh, is taken, it's on page four. It's taken from Eric Fromm. Mm -hmm. He defines love as the will to extend oneself for the Mm -hmm. purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. And then a few pages later, I think uh, Bell Hooks addresses, you know, like people have an issue with some, some people get caught up on the fact that uh, that Peck uses the word spiritual, but he's referring to that dimension of our core reality where mind, body, and spirit are one. And I guess I'm curious, Christine, um, if you agree with these definitions or if you mm-hmm. have things that you would like add or subtract to them or like where you're at with that, with your definition of love. Mm-hmm. 
I think I really just have like little prong. Okay. This first one, the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another spiritual growth. These words are loaded as fuck, right? So like really taking it piece by piece, like the will, right? Having the will, the willingness, the capacity, the 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 able to like to extend oneself, extend. So, you know, like it's past your growing edge. Like, you know, it's going to be like, you doing a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. or, you know, there's effort mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the purpose <clears throat> of nurturing the purpose of nurturing the purpose of nurturing right that's intention the clarity of intention to nurture your own or someone else's or many people's Mm -hmm. spiritual growth the spiritual growth piece I feel like is a big ass umbrella because I know for me I consider spiritual growth to be connected to like these other words like reflection and like sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. That's um, what I was going to say too. Fucking what else? Um, there's another word and it's on the tip of my tongue. Me like value and meaning a consequentialness shit being bigger than you mm-hmm. and smaller too mm-hmm. like <sighs> anyway I agree with this definition because when you look at all the words like it really does encompass like all the pieces like all the parts mm-hmm. um it really is an organism with all of those different ideas and things. I've never done that before. I've never gone through all those words before. (laughs) Good job, Bell Hooks. Or Eric from. It reminds me of this quote in a movie where the dude just, like, it's like these two young kids falling in love and the dad is like, you guys are wild and the that like the kid is like love is not a feeling it's an ability and it brought me back to this other quote where someone's like I don't tell people or I'm not a fan of like hearing or I don't put weight to I love someone it's like do I trust you and it I think it goes back to that it's an action versus just feeling something and it's all those words <laughs> are so much work <laughs> yes and like I mean the media that we consume does not teach us about that no way it's like love you feel it the end it's yeah (laughs) (laughs) um 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so much work to truly love. We must learn to mix various ingredients, care, affection, recognition, respect, commitment, and trust, as well as honest and open communication. I mean, most yeah. relationships maybe touch on like two of those. Maybe affection, probably a little bit of that trust and then commitment out, like just bar none. <laughs> so and much commitment, but commitment to what? Right. Commitment mm-hmm. in terms of like a label, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not an actual practice. Commitment based in possession. Exactly. Listen, commitment as practice is really the thing that will get you out of that possession shit. But it requires also, it requires, that's the other thing. You can't do any of this shit without each other. To even do the commitment shit, you have to be honest. You have to have open communication. You have to have respect. And that's part of, it's a, it's an organism. It's an ecosystem. Like you can't not. So it's like, if one of them isn't there, the likelihood of the other ones being there is kind of slim. The one, the, the one that, that later on, um, bell hooks talks about being the one that that is kind of separated from the group a lot of times is care Mm -hmm. care because um let's see if i have this most uh let's see let's see let's see let's see if i underlined this somewhere because it's basically oh here we go page 10 many of us choose relationships of affection and care that will Mm -hmm. never become loving because they feel safer the demands are not as intense as loving requires and the risk is not as great. I mean, is that just like a mirroring of the love given growing up in terms of care given from your parents? So like you, you've only ever seen this model quite often. Yeah, I think it affirms that. I think it affirms that perception uh, is that even the word? I don't know. But I think that that's what the safety is connected to. Like it's connected to the fact that we've had this kind of love from people already. And if it kind of fits inside of this already present envelope, then, you know, you just kind of go with it. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely what Belt Hooks talks about in the beginning is like, a lot of people don't embrace the, this, this definition of love because then that would mean interrogating what you thought was love before in your life like with your parents for example and um I just come to the realization that that's not necessarily a bad thing like (laughs) I was about to say I'm sorry you said it because there's nothing wrong with that no I think when I once I let go of the shame that comes with questioning shit I just felt way better about it all and I felt way more affirmed in my liberation practice because it's like I don't have to be I I don't have to be committed to any of these things they worked in the context that they were working in and they don't have to work right now and that's okay like and maybe they do work but also checking in. Mm. Yeah. It's such a life goal to be able to just put away 
<clears throat> all like sure you can acknowledge yeah my traumas here my shames here my guilt's here but like I have I feel like I've said it so many times I just look so much forward to the day where like you just wake up and you put in the work enough for it you it's just it's there but it's no longer yours to carry it's just a story you could tell versus this thing that keeps coming up and infiltrating all of your relationships healing mm-hmm. listen and the body the body knows shit and the body stores shit mm-hmm. and I mean I think uh, if I feel like I'm feedback looping because <laughs> it just goes back to the care too like it goes back to like how am I addressing it like in my head and also in my body mm. how am I undoing it also in the areas that are tight in the areas that are that feel stress mm. did you guys read that book the body keeps the score no oh I haven't read it either but <laughs> I think it has a lot to do with what you're talking about oh my yeah I I've read bits and pieces but this is actually the third time this book has come up just today Liz that's a fucking sign I know I know <laughs> oh um yeah oh can we read this quote on chapter two yeah Mm -hmm. chapter two is a really important chapter all about love for me because it's called justice childhood love lessons and this quote that's at the beginning says severe separations in early life leave emotional scars on the brain because they assault the essential human connection the parent-child bond which teaches us that we are lovable the parent-child bond, which teaches us how to love. We cannot be whole human beings. Indeed, we may find it hard to be human without the sustenance of this first attachment. Judith Viorst. I don't know how to say her last name, but yeah, like the brain, the brain and the body storing shit. Always. Yeah. Whoever made up that quote, we only use 10% of our brains was really full of it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's so much to that, so much to it. And I keep thinking about what I've definitely said to both of you before, which is like, I want to love myself as much as my parents loved me. Mm. You know? Yes. Like what if the, like what if that was like our like a goal for all of us or something? Oh god, goals. That feels <laughs> so immense. It's so immense. Because there that. are times for sure where in my life I've been like, you have to keep going. You have to keep going for them, like for your parents. You have to keep going for Sammy, my sister. Mm-hmm. But that shit isn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. I need to want to keep going for myself, you know? And so I'm going to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like I also have friends too who like have no frame of reference for the shit that we're talking about like they don't have loving relationships with their parents and so they're trying to like navigate defining love without well they do have a blueprint or a launch pad but it's not like an ideal an ideal one right and Lynn's what I was about to say to you which I think is also relevant to you know if we're gonna binary it the opposite right is like it's a choice right like it's a choice making it's a series of choice makings <laughs> I mean Christine you said to me we choose to love why choose to love if not for longevity in the sense of belonging <laughs> like a month ago and I wrote that shit down <laughs> yeah Christine when, when the book coming out <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know <laughs> um I was supposed to start a blog and like put all of this shit that I think and say in addition to my recipes mm. which are also so amazing <laughs> lately um I was supposed to put them all on a website and I bought the domain and everything I just I think I just need a cheerleader oh yeah to be like yes you're doing great you like that orange color that looks great like I feel like I just need somebody to be like you're doing great but you know now I just feel like I'm just waiting until the you're doing great is just there I feel like I think I'm just waiting for it to arrive um but I do feel like I have several books in me to write Mm -hmm. (sighs) but it's all my people all my people really nurture me in real ways and like interrogate in real ways that make me interrogate even deeper and so you know it's it's a reflection of how dope my community is mm-hmm. and I was, I was just gonna say like in what ways are we challenging ourselves to become our own best friend what's that looking like personally I know in my head like I've just got a visual representation of like a bigger Hobbs holding a smaller Hobbs and like an embrace all the times whenever like I'm like can we do this I'm like yeah I got you I'll hold on I'm going to stop screaming. I've recognized that folks may be listening with their headphones in. Forgive me. I get very excited. Okay. <laughs> wow, Hobbs. Yes. Little bits like that. We got it. Yeah, we got it. I don't even know. I don't even know, Hobbs. I don't even know what my visual is. What even is it? What even is it? I will let I will tell you this that like I feel the most loved and the most held in a fucking hammock. Okay. In a hammock. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Listen. I literally, I mean, and this is like probably a couple months ago. It was summer, actually. It was like August. Fuck yeah, it was August. That was a rough ass month. 
And I just put my hammock up like along the river in some trees. And I had a really like beautiful um, jazz and like nature sounds playlist. And I like got in the hammock and I turned the playlist on and I just started to cry. Mm. And I didn't go there to cry. I went there to like enjoy nature, but Mm. I was in this hammock and I was so held and I was so like, I felt so supported and boundless that I just like started to cry. Mm. That's bliss. Mm -hmm. With the water rushing by people. Hammocks are the shit. Mm-hmm. I need I it again. Yeah. <laughs> I also need to go camping. Nature mm-hmm. will really reset your whole shit. Like, mm. oh yeah. Mm. I wanted to touch because you were saying, you know, it's my people, my people nurture me, this sort of thing. Can you talk a little bit about um, this idea or this rejection of, I guess, the idea that your, I don't even know what to call it because we've had these conversations about how like the idea of a romantic partnership isn't really real because all of our relationships, even friendships are romantic in some way. Like, Mm -hmm. otherwise, I wouldn't be in it because, (laughs) um, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. for real, like, um, but like, uh, you know, like our idea of like a partnership, uh, Mm -hmm. the love that comes with that tends to be valued, place more value on in society than, the partnership in terms of like a friend like a platonic partnership or another type of relationship um so can you talk about that a little bit about ways that you kind of reject that notion because I think I think you do a really lovely job of it uh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I'd be singing jingles. That also brings me a lot of joy. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It comes from this interrogation of marriage and patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. There was a day where I woke up and I read something and I was just like, fuck, not everything, not everything I ever was taught to do being like being in servitude of men alone. Like what? <laughs> just as context, like, you know, I like was super Christian for a long time. Like I grew up like in the black church um and I loved it I flourished in it (laughs) um both socially yeah just like socially um yeah but I grew up thinking that like I was gonna get married at like 19 or like 21 or like 23 or something and now that I'm like 25 I'm just like "Mm, 
Yeah, no. And I feel like I came to this realization actually when I was like 23. Mm. When I was like, actually, there are a lot of layers and there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. And I actually don't need to associate all of my value with, you know, my ability to like get married and like be a mother and like do all this shit. Um, Yeah. So it's really just a divestment from patriarchy, really, um, bottom line, because, and and this is something that I actually, I wish that I, I think it's called, I think her, Bad Dominicana, is that her, is that her, what is her Twitter? I don't know. She tweeted something that was like, we are in relationships with cis men. And like they're trash and like we would never let our homies treat us like that. Like if we let our friends, ooh, sorry. If we let our friends treat us how we let these cis men treat us, we would never do that. (laughs) Have no friends. We would have no friends. And like, I just feel like, oh. What she said was, to be really clear, what she said was that like, we share our bodies with these people and they literally don't even, they don't even match the same energy as our friends. Like that was the essence of the tweet for real. And that was another, that happened more recently, but that was another affirmation for me to just like go even harder. Oh yeah, also Hobbs, you don't know this about me and listeners don't really know this about me, but in the month of like July, is that true? June, July, yeah. In the, oh, yeah, it was July. In the month of July, I did a man fest. A man fest. A cis man fast. Oh, man fast. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so like, you know, again, I told you like I grew up Christian, so like fasting was like a thing. You know, we did did like the Daniel fast. We did, you know, you fast for Lent. We're in Lent right now or whatever, if you do things. But like, you know, you basically give something up. And I was like, you know, I've never just like given up men <laughs> wholeheartedly. <laughs> you know, you know, a lot of people talk about like celibacy and like all that shit, but like, let's just give them all up, all of it, all of it. So I like, I like restricted and blocked a, ho- a whole bunch of men, like on my social medias. Like I was in a, I was in a relationship at the time. I was like, look, I'm gonna just peace out for a month. Like we're, you know, I'm telling you, and, you know, if you have a problem, like, I mean, I phrased it in a way that didn't really make it sound like it was negotiable, um, but he was okay with it, um, you know, and I had, like, I have really good guy friends, and, like, you know, I was in the midst of, like, watching a season of Married at First Sight with my homeboy, Brandon, like, you know, I, like, you know, I was like, listen, I can't, we can't, I can't do this in the month of July, you know, we can pick back up after I'm done my manifest but yeah and like it was crazy it was crazy to like live a life where like I literally just talked to my dad because he's probably the only man human that I won't divest from because he's just like an amazing teddy bear but like it was so revealing what happened I basically realized and oh sorry I basically realized that like I was like oh I actually don't need any of these people in my life. 
was like, all of this is like excess. And then I was like, there's so many people that I just would probably never talk to ever again if I just didn't reach out to them. And that's a realization that a lot of people have, but like, it was like super clear because I was ghost for a month. And there were some people that didn't notice. There were some people that I like, you know, there were some people that I deeply respected and deeply like felt connected to that just like didn't care. And then there were people who I ended up running into in the midst and I was telling them about it. And then it was very clear like who sort of like respected me and my autonomy and agency and who didn't. It was so revealing. I bet. The only thing, my only, the only way that I fell short was that I didn't account for meeting new men. <laughs> I didn't account for meeting new men. And I ended up meeting really dope ass men um, during that time. And I was like, damn, like I really can't even, I really can't even go, go ham into this dynamic with you because I'm man fasting. But some of those guys that I met are still present in my life, but it was crazy and awesome. To bring it back, that particular experience is what has me in full commitment to being like, I'm only invested in men who are invested in me. And that investment like is financial and spiritual and mental and emotional. Like it's all of them. Like, cause that's what my friends do. Mm-hmm. That's what my mm-hmm. lady, agender, and all the spaces in between friends do. And so that's the standard for all human beings. And it's like, if it's too deep for you, then I'm too deep for you. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. It's just like, it's just wild how we let our standards go for this patriarchal idea of a partnership I mean well it's everywhere even back to the Instagram little like infomercial snippets it's like so much of life has just been pushed down and smudged into these out of context like buzzwords like this is what you want right and it's like oh yeah that was good enough took enough of a blanket (laughs) statement for me to get down with but ultimately (laughs) you're not doing that in other areas of your life so why are you letting it slip where this is supposed to be one of the the most important parts of your life when is it right and it also contributes to the scarcity mindset that we're put in because of capitalism because if we recognize that love was so abundant in this universe in this world Like there's so much love in this phone call. There's so much love outside right now. There's so much love fucking everywhere. Then we wouldn't be in the scarcity mindset of like, I need to find my life partner so that I'm loved and I can love. It's like, no, dude, you're literally loving. (laughs) Like there's fulfillment. And that's the thing. Like, it's like, it's like, what even is love? Like, what does it feel like? What are these sensations? And And how are you defining it like for yourself? If you are only engaging in the definition of love that's defined by butterflies and like heart eyes and like, you know, other like physical responses to stimuli, 
like that's not like you're gonna fall short for yourself like you're gonna fall short so it's like what I know for me it's like what else is fulfilling what gives me fulfillment what brings me joy what what have y'all seen so just like what brings the spark right and like I mean I remember a time when I was a teen that like I really only gave credit I really only acknowledged the sparks the spark that came from guys when like I was being I was the dance like I was dancing like that was fulfilling like I was getting all A's I was fulfilling like I was doing all this dope stuff I like and it's like I just didn't acknowledge it and so like sometimes like our the fulfillment is there like the satisfaction is there and we just have to like rewire our brains to be like oh there's all this awesome stuff in my life already and having a partner or being in a relationship like is just adding to that Mm-hmm. With that being said, I know that we have definitely talked about these sort of shallow moments that we're all capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like I know the one thing that we've talked about in the past was like, oh, like we want to like have a partner on Valentine's Day because like Valentine's Day, uh, you know, like, which is just not us at all, I feel like, but like, it comes, it comes be, and that's, that's the society, right? That's the society. Um, what do you do in those moments of sort of getting caught up and how do you ground yourself back into your values and a mindset that fits within those values? Hobbs, do you want to answer? Um, I mean, as I was listening to that, I was just like thinking to back to the whole truth thing and just how when those moments happen, I feel like they only really happen when I'm not really being honest with with myself. And of course, it's a practice of trying to be honest as much as you possibly can with ourselves. But it's such a feeling on the inside where it's like, I know as soon as I'm like off track, I know that I'm off track. And at that point, it just becomes a question of like, do we just want to be like reckless today? (laughs) <laughs> we want to just add this drama and I'm like sometimes I do <laughs> I do want to like I want to fuck it up other times I'm like you know what no like Hobbs like sit your ass down like we, we've been down this road plenty of times before you know like you can just do something different this time but it's kind of a 50 50 and that's still a work in progress but I think we're all very conscious about whether or not we're being as deep as we all are capable of being it's always a choice always a choice and you can see that in the language that somebody's using with you or like what vibe is coming off. But like, I feel like the older you get, the more experience you get around people and yourself. It's just, it's very, very easy to just pick that out of the air and be like, either I'm going to rock with this and not judge it. I mean, there's no really, you don't have to judge any of it, but either I'm going to rock with this or I'm going to do what I think I actually need to be doing. <laughs> Whether that be oh. reckless or not. <laughs> oh. So for me, Thank you, Hobbs, for saying that because for me, it's the accountability, right? It's the like, uh, somebody said this, might have been on Twitter or Instagram, 
but it was like if you feel embarrassed to like tell your friends about a situation you probably don't belong in that situation can you say that again (laughs) if you feel embarrassed to tell your friends about a situation you probably don't belong in that situation (laughs) i'm sorry i'm gonna stop screaming i promise okay like (laughs) And the way it manifested, the way I absorbed it was like, if I have all of these deep friendships, like these deep relationships with people who like have my best interests at heart, like I have their best interests at heart, like we have a very deep bond, like we share values, like, hi, Speckle. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a deep bond, like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel ashamed about something in their presence because if it's congruent and if it is in alignment, there's no trouble, but if it's not, then there's trouble. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyway, I just, I have to be committed to like a real kind of transparency. Like you said, a real kind of honesty with myself and also with my peoples because I know that they're going to support me. They're, we're in love, okay? They're gonna support me and my spiritual growth. They're going to support me in my spiritual growth, okay? Like, <laughs> and so, you know, they're gonna be like, Christine, like, how did you do that? Or, you know, it's like, we're in a pandemic. My friend, Sarah, like she, I was in this relationship a while ago, a second ago, a hot second ago. And my friend Sarah was like, we're in a pandemic, Christine. And like, it makes sense. It makes sense. But like, when you're ready, just like, be ready. (laughs) Or some shit like that. Like, just be ready and just like, do what you know is best for you. And I was like, yeah. And so, yeah, that level of, I, I love I love my friends because the amount of compassionate accountability is is just uh it's just uh it's so good. <laughs> it's like I know what I'm it's like I walk away knowing what I'm supposed to be doing, feeling good about like not feeling like victim blamed or whatever, like and also feel very much like in control and able to like do what I need to do and a lot of times that's probably going to be a really fucking hard thing (laughs) oh yeah it's hard but you have to be courageous you have to take a risk you have to like I mean it's risk taking that's what I'm saying like it's not that like bullshit it's not that bullshit where like you like try to put on like a pretty face and you try to put on a facade to like, you know, facilitate people's ideas of you. It's like, no, like this is like real life. Like this is like actual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all can't, y'all can't see my hand, but. It's not a dress rehearsal. Yeah. It's the real it's thing. It's not, it's not a dress rehearsal. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to this idea of like, 
labels versus like what is actually happening like oh, fucking yeah. like what are the actions that are taking place what are the emotions that we're feeling because mm-hmm. those things mm-hmm. i know are actually real all of this yeah. label shit yes that means nothing to me yes <laughs> i were talking about that the other day how it's like why are we rushing to label something when legitimately there's nothing like there's nothing there to really be said for, especially when labeling is such a two-way street, right? Like when a friend, when someone's like says to me first, like you're one of my best friends. I'm like, that's informative of like where I'm at in your life. But that doesn't really like, <clears throat> I feel like become that entwined relationship where versus like when two people can be like, you're one of my closest friends. Oh yeah, you're one of my closest friends. And it becomes like this level of understanding versus like, I'm projecting yes. this because I want this and I'm just letting you know now. And it's like, mm-hmm. again, just information versus like actually what their relationship is. What are mm-hmm. we doing together? What are we talking about? Sure. If you were actually specific, I'm your best friend to drink with. We can just say that right. <laughs> versus I'm one of your closest friends where like, you come to me or I come to you. And it's like this two-way street. There's so much more to it that a label again is, can feel so generalized over very small actions. Y'all, I just have to bring it back because it's political. It's like all of this is political. Like all of it is like informed by the state that we're in. Mm -hmm. It's like I watched Hamilton and I was like, all this fucking language and y'all not even embodying any of this shit. And it's like, if you grow up in America, it's literally embedded in your being to bullshit, to have beautiful ass language to talk about shit, to be able to label, to -hmm. be able to identify, to be able to dream and idealize. It's literally in your being, okay? No, 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 no. We have to be honest about that. If you're an American, you probably have a beautiful ass visioning about how shit looks and how shit should feel and you can project it on anything. It's a skill set that is perpetuated daily every day of our lives right and so like it's really easy to be like oh he's my they're my whatever and shit not even be actual and it's like how are we embodying is what i'm saying the body has information what is the body doing what is the body saying how is the body feeling all the things that lynn said yes and you know what (laughs) i also think that part of it is not having the time, energy, and space to fucking acknowledge and think about it. When we think about our life, we're in school, right? We're either 18 or in a lot of cases, like 22 or something. And then, you know, some people, 26 29 30 who the fuck knows (laughs) you're supposed to do this like to like think about this whenever you're in the fucking grind of the institution Uh, i swear i didn't have time for any of this shit or space or energy like and i mean don't get me wrong that's my experience like some people do are able to kind of 
maybe even I know like art school, like some people are able to use that institutional experience to dive into some of this shit. And that's great. Which is what I was able to do. Right. The only reason I was even able to be where I'm at with any of this shit is because I made I made the work that I was doing some humanized shit. Mm -hmm. But it's not it's definitely not. I mean, you're yeah, you are a dance major, you know, like (laughs) definitely not the majority, I think, in terms of like, oh, yeah, people who are existing within like a college setting or something. Um, And so it's just it's just hard because it's just like we're kind of set up to again, like even, even when I think about when I think about institutions, I get so fucked up because I'm like, we spend time in the institution learning about language to think critically about things without actually learning how to embody that criticality or embody an awareness that translates to that criticality um, in a way that actually maybe feels like potentially more harmful or more of a setback than if we were to just be free to exist. (laughs) That's work. When you're already working so much, how can you do all this other work? Mm -hmm. Like the difference in like how I'm thinking about the world in terms of like the negative elements, oh, society, society, and like just changing that word into more specifically, who do I actually mean? I mean, the boomers. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I know who I'm talking about. I mean, we'll just talk about who I'm talking about. Like, be more specific with our language and actually, like, crafting well, this lens to actually suit what you actually fucking mean. You know, it's simple, but, like, it's... Would I have thought of that if I, had, if I hadn't been, like, unemployed <laughs> for, you know, like, the last, like, six to 12 months? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, these things of being actual to engage with ourselves. Like, it's so much of a double-edged I mean the nine to five you know you're not really thinking about how to think it's designed you're not yeah you got four maybe four if you really can hoof it four hours of like free time and all that free time is just recovery the weekend is a blip so it's like you literally only have like one actual day Saturday and then by Saturday like one o'clock you're like fuck tomorrow Sunday and then it's just where do you actually have the time to really be able to investigate this other work because all the other work is always there Say that, when can you investigate the work when all this other work is there? Oof. Mm-hmm. It's too much. 40 <laughs> hours a week, oh my God. Uh, too much. <clears throat> too much. I ain't got time. Hmm. I'm buzzing. I don't know about you. But I'm I'm buzzing with satisfaction. Mm. My mind feels like the matrix code. I'm just like absorbing <laughs> information. It's because we contribute to each other's longevity and the sense of belonging. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I took pictures of us smiling. Oh my god. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you all wanted to touch on before we uh, close out? What uh, about 
that last one. Did you want to go on that one? Uh oh. If you want. Dun, dun, dun. Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's a good ending note though. Like Hooks also talks about how important and radical changes are necessary if love is to come, if love is to become a social and not highly individualistic marginal phenomenon. So what could we change about capitalism? These BS holidays to honor a more communal energy. I think that there are a lot of tools in the tool belt. Creativity is a tool in the tool belt. Mm. Choosing to be creative, not opting into the things that we may or may not deem as harmful slash perpetuatory of this bullshit. Just choosing to be creative, choosing to make your own shit up. That's a tool in a toolbox. Um, simplicity is a tool in the toolbox. Mm. Choosing, like deciding to be simple. Mm. What's a tool in the toolbox? Mm. Oh, just abandonment. Ah, speckles. Stop. Sorry. Just choosing to abandon it wholeheartedly, letting it go, saying goodbye to it, thanking it for all that it's done. And then also being like, I'm done, love. I'm finished. And that shit's hard. That shit's hard. And it will frustrate people. It will. Fr- I've frustrated a lot of people doing this shit, but you just have to abandon it and leave it alone. That's a tool in a toolbox mm-hmm. changes life any other tools in the toolbox y'all <laughs> i'm just thinking back to the rituals that you were talking about at the beginning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ritual practice. Um, yeah. And those words basically boil down to like intentional steps mm-hmm. that yield a certain kind of outcome or rather that are in alignment with, a cer- with, with certain values. Values exercise. Wow. Oh. <laughs> talk about that, Christine? Sure. So I was in therapy and in therapy, I would talk about values a lot. And so my therapist was like, okay, you know, I think we should do this activity where, you know, we talk about your values and da da da. So I did it. And essentially, like, we looked at this list of values. It was like 50 or no, it was like a hundred values or so. Maybe it was 75. I don't know. But there were a ton of values and she was just like, pick 15 to 20 values from this list. And I was like, just 15 or 20. She was like, yes. I was like, okay. So I picked my top 20 and then she was like, okay, you have your top 20. Now categorize them. The first category is important. The second category is 
more important. And the third category is most important. <laughs> then I did it. I was like, okay, cool. Here's what, I could, here's what we got. And then she was like, okay, go through all the ones and most important. Tell me why they are most important. And then rank, excuse me, and then rank them. I was like, all right, piece of cake. Bada being bada boom. Did it. She's like, okay. Now, why did you choose these top three? And I was like, my top three values, by the way, are joy, freedom, and gratitude. It's like, if those things aren't present, it's probably not, it's probably not for me. It absolutely is not for me, period. Anyways, did that. After this exercise, I went away. I was like, she was like, okay, now reflect on how these things are in your life. I was like, okay, this is really obvious. Um, but I went back to therapy and I was like, therapist, look at what I did. <laughs> I took all 20 of those values and I made like a mind map of them. So I like had all of them written out and I like have arrows to like, see the relationship of all of them to each other. And I was like, I just thought I would take this a step further and like really understand how all of these values feed each other and like how, yeah, just like how they are and what makes them be. Which is similar to what I was saying earlier about how Bell Hooks defines love you know, as care, affection, open, honest, honest and open communication, like, there's a relationship between all those things. And like, yeah, you can do this exercise with anything. You can do it for yourself. You can do it in a situation. You can do it, you know, with something that you admire. Like, what are the values present in this thing? And how are they related to each other? And then draw it out because visual, visualizations are a tool in the toolbox manifestations are a tool in the toolbox writing shit down and being specific about what we want is a is a tool in the toolbox mm -hmm. and yeah. it was did you start out with Brene Brown's value value list yeah Brene Brown is is a Brene Brown's list is a good list um but there's hella lists of values but I think hers is really fantastic I'm pretty sure that's the one that my therapist pulled up for me mm -hmm. however I've used that same list also in a really valuable working relationship that I'm in with the dance union yes Sh shameless plug you can plug. listen to us you know the dance union podcast um hell yeah it's so good yeah I mean yeah it's like how can we change our holidays or just our general way of living to honor a more communal reality it's first figuring out what our reality is in terms of values which will allow us to ease more easily define who the fuck our community is Period. and then if we all have a better understanding of what that reality is then of course it's going to fucking manifest hell yeah I love it. I love you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. 
All right, teen teen. Well, I already know this. Oh, you already know. But the final question that we ask all of our guests is, what's your astrological sign and how do you relate or not relate to it? Reveal yourself. Well, I'm an Aquarius. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Taurus, moon, Leo rising, just to reveal more things also my venus is in pisces anyways um (laughs) yeah i mean i identify with all that shit um (laughs) there's nothing about being an aquarian that i don't feel connected to all of it i feel connected to um yeah yeah and I just I love it because it really makes it easier to engage with all the stuff that we've been talking about because people already know that I'm gonna come in with some revolutionary ass weird ass shit (laughs) it's an expectation so it's all good like (laughs) um and also knowing that like it's not just for my own benefit it's like on some humanitarian shit it's like we will all benefit from doing this and I want everybody in the world to benefit from letting go of that shit because yeah hmm those are air signs right Aquarius yeah Aquarius is an air air sign yeah I always get all confused Mm -hmm. wow no wonder y'all get on so well. <laughs> I mean, truly, it's like it is facts. <laughs> I am so thankful that you came onto the pod. This was mm-hmm. such a fruitful and amazing conversation. How can people follow you and your work? Okay um mm, wow thank you for having me this was a rich combo Mm -hmm. and you know it's just me talking my shit (laughs) (laughs) every conversation that christine and i have goes by the way i love it i'm like ready to go for it a long contemplative walk (laughs) yes self-care yes mind body yes it will download and you should take a nap afterwards it'll really just simmer yeah (laughs) no um yeah I mean you can follow me on Instagram um at Chris Cat underscore bar c-h-r-i-s-c-a-t underscore bar um I also I mean I'm trying to decide if it's a brand that just sounds way too capitalistic but (laughs) I'm I do sort of have this, um, the way that I sort of label, no, the way that I identify my imaginative, like dream, futuristic work um, is Teen Teen Lore. So you can also follow my Teen Teen Lore page, T-I-N-E, sorry, T-I-N-E, T-I-N-E, Lore, L-O-R-E. You can follow that Instagram as well. You know, maybe my website will be launched. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, we'll teen teen lore. Yeah, teen teen lore. That life is what it is. Um, 
but yeah that's those are my main situations if you want to hear me talk lots of shit you can follow me on twitter um (laughs) that one's also chris cat underscore bar i talk a lot of shit on that app uh but yeah so thank you thank you so much fam Thank you.